Welcome back to Country First Conversation. Today we will talk to Ry Barcott, co-founder and CEO of With Honor, a bipartisan movement dedicated to promoting and advancing principled veteran leadership in elected public service. Remember to visit our website, countryfirst.com, and share our podcast with others. Thanks for joining. Here's our host, Congressman Adam Kinzinger. So thanks, everybody. Joining us today is a good friend of mine, Ry Barcott. He's the uh, co-founder and the CEO of With Honor. With Honor, it's a cross-partisan movement, and I've been part of it really since its founding in 2017. It seeks to fight gridlock, partisan bickering in Congress, and uh, they support veterans that are committed to uh, putting their country before party politics. Rye himself has an amazing resume, and he always kind of blows me away with everything he's doing. He served in the United States Marine Corps. He graduated from Chapel Hill and Harvard. He's founded several organizations, Double Time Capital and Carolina for Kibera. Is that how you say it? Kibera? That's right. Yeah. And uh, published his own memoir, even has uh, hosted a TED speech, which is interesting. I'm curious about that. But, Ry, you've been a, a true friend, uh, Sophia and I, over the years. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast today, and I think you're the perfect person to talk about you know, what it means to lead with honor by putting your country over party. But really, before we kind of get into the meat of that, first off, welcome. And I want uh, the audience to learn a little more about you. So tell us why you decided, first off, what what drove you to join the Marine Corps? What what was it that, that kind of led you to that point? Well, the Air Force wouldn't take me. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, of course, we have high standards, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Marine Corps, I, I, uh, I've, I've, is was definitely my uh, the most formative experience I could have asked for. And my father had served; he was not career, but he served in Vietnam. He never he never put it on me. Uh, in fact, I think he was pretty ambivalent overall. Because, like for many Vietnam vets, yeah, they all were. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, in, in many respects, it was the most significant experience of his life um, and his closest friendships. In fact, the the only close friends that he has were all from his time in 1965 and in the Vietnam War, where he just made it out. Thank God, he got—he actually took a round through the face mm. and miraculously didn't didn't chip a, a tooth. Uh, but uh, but but I'm uh, very fortunate that it didn't, because uh, I wouldn't be around here if, uh, if that was the case. And of course, yeah. he saw a lot of a lot of a lot of his guys who who made the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, and 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 so for him, the Marine Corps. Was this um, was this the, the you know in, in enormously important piece to his life and to serving? But he also recognized that he was really torn by that war, which was a war that was um, you know fought on on uh, on on really controversial uh, terms, where the government at times made some really bad decisions. You think about like the Agent Orange situation, et cetera, and so when. When, when, when I decided that I wanted to serve my country, he was very proud about that. And, and he was very proud that I decided to go in the Marine Corps. But, but there was this sort of um, this, this uh, experience that he had, which was really came down at, at the end of the day, it came down to, you know, when you go into uh, service and military service in particular, uh, when you're signing up, you're signing up to, to be, you know, to serve your country, but also to have a leadership role. And that means thinking critically and, um, and making tough decisions, you know, don't just take everything on face value. So, so he really instilled in me a lot of those values. That's what drove me to, uh, to decide at a pretty young age. I was, I think I was 13 when I started wearing a <laughs> USMC t-shirt, uh, 
And uh, lo and behold, when you start wearing the T-shirt, uh, that that creates its own, uh, you know, impetus, right? That, you know, yeah, those freaking recruiters know something, man. They know that those T-shirts work. I think without the invention of the T-shirt, probably we'd have a much harder time recruiting people. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. My favorite these days, by the way, on the T-shirt piece is uh, there's, a, there's a Marine Corps T-shirt that says, uh, USMC, improvise, adapt, and overcome. Nice. Uh, which is... Yeah. I like it. Well, I always said, you know, I would have joined the Marine Corps, but I, I just, I like my four and five star hotels and, you know, and I like my coffee fresh, not strained through a sock, you know, and everything else. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned the Vietnam and, and I always say this to, to Vietnam veterans. I, I mean, you know, we, we look at all the generation of veterans. I think the ones that I don't want to say just really had it worse, but really did the most probably to, to make it better for you. And I was Vietnam because these guys came back and, you know, when you and I came back, I remember getting off a plane in Baltimore and it's just like lines of people clapping for you. And they're there all day clapping for everybody, but it makes you feel like welcome. Cause what people don't realize is when you come out of a combat zone, you don't like go through this bureaucratic deprogramming Plinko thing. You literally like land in Baltimore and then catch your connecting flight. And, and it's, it's weird, but you know, these guys come back from Vietnam and it's like, you know, you come back home, you're excited to be home and you know, people calling you baby killers and spitting on you. And like that shameful moment in our country in terms of how we treat them, I think made it way better for you and I and our, our friends, you know? 100%. Yeah, we're so fortunate. And, and, you know, a lot of the Vietnam uh, generation that, that, that are get that are getting older and, and passing the torch here, you know, they still live with that. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I didn't know this uh, until recently that, uh, you know, the, the whole PTSD was was not even a term that was uh, that was used uh, back yeah. then. But of course, it's it's really, uh, it's really exacerbated when you don't have a you know, a, a country that is unified and, and at least welcoming and respecting you. And we're fortunate to have that now. You know, obviously we're all volunteer military, less than 1% of Americans serve. It's part of the reason why at With Honor and with the, the four country caucus that you're part of, you know, national service and getting more Americans to serve, whether that's in uniform or in our schools and other forms, of, you know, other forms is, uh, is I think really essential for, uh, for bringing this country back together. Well, so let me ask you that then. So, you know, that's how I got to meet you. And, and, you know, like I said, for, for me as, you know, somebody that even prior to all this kind of recent iteration of what I'm doing, it was, it's always like, look, there's, we, we like to focus a lot on what divides us. And obviously it's politically sexy, what divides us, it raises money. It's all that kind of stuff. And you did something unique, which is said, we need to figure out how to find some common ground here. And you thought, you know, in terms of veterans. So let me ask you, how, how did, this idea of with honor, the four country caucus, how did it start? And what was it that kind of compelled you to look for an area where, you know, veterans can make a difference in Congress? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for asking on it. You know, I, it, it started for me actually with, um, with the Marine Corps and, you know, like, like with every, like with you, everybody that served, you know, it doesn't matter who your mom or your daddy is. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter you know, how rich or not or poor, et cetera, you were, you're, you're, you're in the same unit and you're there for a mission that's greater than yourself. And, and when you're in that type of situation, you get to know people <laughs> uh, that don't think like you. Yeah. And, um, and you realize that you actually have, do have more in common than you, than, than your differences. And so with us, with, with what, with honor is focused on is, 
you know, just this massive issue of the polarization and dysfunction in Congress. And our belief is that by pulling together a group of principled vets, folks that have served their country, put their put their name on the put their you know body on the line um, from both parties, and then you know create the space so that you can actually get to know each other and build some trust and 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 focus on getting things done that matter for the country. So, as an organization, we basically do three things: we we help recruit and train principled vets that run for uh, office, and we're focused on the U.S. House because that's where the, we've had the, the initial critical mass. Um, our political action uh, committees get involved in helping vets win their races. We help lower the barriers to entry, particularly regarding costs, because as you know, the costs are just outrageous, yeah. especially if you're trying to break in for the first time. And then uh, with the, the group, the four country caucus of bipartisan vets that you're a member of, the 25 members, we work with, with you, um, you know, typically meeting every two weeks and focused on getting things done that really matter for the country. And, and so, so, you know, when it comes to, for me personally, this is a really immensely gratifying way to, to serve again in a more entrepreneurial uh, manner. Uh, after the Marine Corps, I got, um, I came out and uh, spent some time building a business with another Marine. And we were fortunate to have done that. And, and, um, and, and saw that this was a way that, that you know, this is, a, this is you know, maybe one of the most important areas that our country faces. So we're glad to be a part of it and glad to have you a part of it from the, right. uh, from the very beginning. So what's been your experience? You started this thing. You obviously had a certain level of kind of expectation or maybe you just didn't know what to expect. And, you know, we see a lot, for instance, in D.C. that, you know, politicians are quick to praise those that served and their sacrifice, which is obviously important. You know, that's fantastic. But we still have a, and part of it is because of technology, we don't need as many people in the military. So you have a smaller pool for people to run for Congress from, but we, you know, still it's a small percent of, of Congress that has ever served, you know, that is increasing by the way. I think I was like the first, or actually the second or third post nine 11 veteran Congress. I think yeah. Duncan Hunter was the first and, yeah. um, and now you're seeing a lot of them come in, which is a good thing. But, uh, when you look at kind of your expectations and where it's gone, this, this idea of veterans serving in a bipartisan way, what's been, what has been the difficulty, but what's been kind of your, from expectations to today. And you look at that as, you know, what, what's been kind of your takeaway so far? Yeah. Well, I, obviously we've lived in, in, in about the most extreme environment oh, yeah. you can imagine. Right. And I remember, I remember you and I chatting uh, uh, earlier this year with Peter Meyer, who uh, it was great to see him as one of the first on on the Country First uh, podcast. You know, Peter was on our advisory board before he decided to run for Congress. And you just think about the experience of this freshman class that is so so crazy, really, right? Where where yeah. you, they almost have no opportunity to even meet each other because not only COVID, but obviously the the whole situation with the election, January sixth, and the, everything else just compo compounded it. And that that makes it extremely difficult to have to get anything done if you don't have a relationship before, you know, the crap hits the fan. And um, and so so for us, you know, what's been encouraging about all of this is that the group, the, the four country caucus continues to meet and build trust and get things done that really matter for the country. 
um, whether that's from you know Veterans Affairs and passing the the Gold Star Act to 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 give some tax relief to our Gold Star families, which was the first bill that passed last Congress that you're yeah. part of, um, to to you know some really big ticket items like where artificial intelligence is going and how we better protect our critical infrastructure around cyber. Um, you know, these are things that we have to we have to be working on uh, yeah. across party lines, and but they're just so few vehicles. So, um, so on, on the one hand, it's been extremely challenging because of the events, right? I mean, you can hardly think of it a more you know polarized and dramatic time. On the other hand, it's also been encouraging because they've held the line. You know, to use the the the, the phrase that you used um, uh, to kick off the. Um, January 6th uh, uh, commission. They've held the line. You guys are holding the line. You're continuing to meet. Even if you have differences and don't agree on different policies, you can put that aside for the good of the country. And it's just uh, just so important. Yeah. See, and that's, that's one of the things, right, that I've been like, has, has kind of struck me is, you know, in the past, we've we've talked about bipartisanship and, you know, and it's great. And it's, but I think one of the unique things that veterans bring is it's not necessarily that we have to agree on issues. It's not necessarily that we have to agree on tax rates, of course, because those are going to change and tell you, as you know, you know, sitting around bored overseas, sometimes you guys can get in political debates for fun out of boredom and you're not going to agree, or you have somebody that's, you know, out there saying something outrageous just because it's like keeps everybody awake. But, but the bottom line is what's broken down recently is the inability for people to even have a conversation and to even talk about these issues. And that's what I think is so unique about this group and what you're doing is, you know, look, after January 6th, I won't go into much detail, but we had a real kind of, you know, heart to heart conversation about that. When we talk about things like, you know, mutual sacrifice and things we want to work for, we at least we can show that conversation is still happening. We can show that that uh, dialogue is still happening, that democracy still functions. And sadly, at this moment, that's almost the most important thing. As important as bipartisanship is, is showing the fact that this functions through this moment. What do you think? No doubt about it. And I mean, you know, what it makes me think about it are two, um, you know, two members of the Four Country Caucus, uh, uh, who we both know well, um, you know, Mike Waltz and, and Jason Crow, you know, Republican Democrat, uh, they, one of the first things they did together in Congress was fly to Normandy and jump out of a perfectly good plane for- <laughs> That's so uh, <laughs> dumb of them, <laughs> but awesome. <laughs> but really awesome. Of course they got, it was nice to see that they got upstaged by like the 97 year old vet right. who, was, uh, who also made the leap, which was, which was pretty cool. But, uh, but, you know, through that, they, they obviously, they, you know, an experience like that, you're traveling together, you get to know each other in a, in a realistic way and, and, uh, and in a real way. And, and so, you know, there was, I think it definitely helped that they had that relationship, right? I mean, Crow, Jason Crow ended up becoming one of the impeachment managers. That was a sense, that was a, that was, that was a time of friction way back when. I mean, it yeah. feels like a different era ago, but a couple of years back. And, um, and then, you know, yesterday they were together. Uh, and, and, and talking about a really important bill that you worked on and others in the four country caucus that, that got signed into law, the Afghan allies act. Oh, that's been huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty, pretty awesome to see, you know, over 400 votes in the house. I mean, you don't get that 
too frequently, right? For, for, for things of substance, maybe for a post office or something, but. Yeah. Well, why don't you talk a little about the Afghan allies act? Cause you, you did a lot to, you know, I've been working on this issue since I've been in Congress, the issue of yeah. how do we bring the, you know, translators back. We made promises to them and everything. And you were talking to, uh, I, I guess a friend of yours called me and kind of told a personal story from Texas, but why don't you talk about your experience in dealing with this Afghan allies act? Cause you know, people have been seeing the headlines now about, you know, we've got to get these people out of Afghanistan, but you know, what's been your thoughts on that? And, and, and where have you seen some success and, and some failures, honestly? Yeah. And this is about, uh, about four months ago, we had um, a member of our advisory board, uh, Doug Fauché, who was helping to relocate a family that, uh, that, that had, had had a, their, their, their father, their husband had worked with us for almost over 10 years in our special forces units as a, as an interpreter in Afghanistan. And lo and behold, he had waited about 10 years as well for his special immigrant visa, the process. And tragically he got assassinated in January. Mm. Um, and, uh, this board member and, and a number of others, uh, mostly veterans, um, united and, and found, figured, figured out a way to get, the, his surviving wife and, and kids who were receiving threats by text messages um, over to the United States on emergency parole. And it was that really that, that incident that, that humanized this, uh, for me at least, in a, in a personal way. And of course, we're now right at the, cut, at the tail end of the uh, withdrawal of U.S. forces. And as, you, as you've been working this issue, it is, it is really maddening to see how the bureaucracy has slowed the process for these individuals who put their lives on the line for our country and are, are really talented, talented people. Um, and so we've got a higher obligation as a country to make sure we do the right thing. And that matters not only because it's the moral obligation, but also because what allies are going to trust us right. if we, you know, in the future, if we don't do this right. You know, my own experience was in, in Iraq and I worked with uh, four uh, linguists, including one who who helped uh, uh, after after the war helped uh, set up um, the uh, the 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 sort of scene for my uh, for how I proposed to my wife. So <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. You know, uh, not only are they allies, but in, in many cases they become very dear friends. So um, so it's a good it's a good example though of of a bipartisan uh, coming together on an issue that really matters uh, and. To, and, and I think it's, uh, you know, it's the type of thing that, that, that works. that doesn't necessarily catch the headlines, but works. Yeah. And this is one of those moments where, you know, when the country faces so many like threats, whether it's, you know, a rising China, whether it's just division internally and all that kind of stuff, this is where, you know, groups of veterans and, and, and those that frankly can be inspired by what they're talking about and listen to them where we can, you know, hit the pause button on the daily outrage that gets stoked, hit the pause button on, you know, the anger that drives fundraising and say, okay, these are the real big challenges that we have to face that are going to matter. Like when all this emotion of 2020 and, you know, every name person wears off and, you know, your kids are adults and they're now, you know, they don't care, frankly, about the 2020 election because that was a gajillion years ago. It's like, what's the impact we're going to leave now? Are we leaving an impact of permanent division or are we leaving an impact of of hope? And that kind of leads into what I want to talk to you about, too, a little bit is just, you know, January 6th. We saw a lot of people in military uniforms. We saw a lot of veterans. We saw even some 
some active duty members, you know, taking place and what happened, taking, taking part in what happened. And given that the military is so broadly bipartisan, it has to stay bipartisan because it's the backstop to every dysfunction that we know. What did you think when you watched things unfold on January 6th? You know, you saw some people in military uniforms. I think also keep in mind the Oath Keepers, for instance, that have nothing to do with the military were wearing military uniforms. And I think that has a psychological effect. I'm just curious what you what you think about that and, and where we're going. You know, I remember that unfolding and, and at first just being in total disbelief and shock. Um, and uh, and then and then I watched some of the videos of how it all plays out. There's there are a few videos that show from the very beginning, like with helmet cameras. And you see what you see, what any of us who have been through like a mob or a riot feels where like the yeah. energy takes over the group. And it's a miracle. I think that that wasn't even as as terrible and disgraceful as it was, that it wasn't that it, that it didn't become even more of a bloodbath. You can I see agree. just how on edge it was. And so when I step back from it, I, I really, it makes me sad, but I also, I also feel like this isn't, this is, this shows the power of the, the echo chamber and the disinformation and how, um, you know, people can get sucked into this, um, including folks that, that have, that have served their country. And that's why I think it is so important, our leadership and frankly, having a new generation of leaders like yourself that are not just willing to say, take a pledge like the With Honor Pledge that says you'll serve with integrity, civility, yeah, you know, like civility in this day and age. <laughs> and, I know, uh, I know. <laughs> and courage, including the courage to walk across the aisle. But they won't just say it, they'll, they'll you know, walk the talk. And that, that is, um, that's not easy to do in this environment, but it is, uh, but it's so important. And so, so at any rate, I, I really think that, you know, the leadership matters, um, getting the right folks into this environment that can be pretty unforgiving and pretty challenging is, is important. And at the end of the day, like you said, our kids are going to look back at 2020. They might not remember the names, but they'll remember certain events. And frankly, hopefully they also remember our values and the core values that, that, uh, make America, uh, what it is. And, um, and that's really why we're so committed to help and support uh, the veterans like yourself and helping to elect uh, a, a next generation that that are committed to putting the country on the on the right path. Well, so let me ask you then kind of, you know, as we wrap up here and and uh, and think about this, give me your your kind of hope for the future, the future of your movement, the future of the caucus. And and, uh, you know, what is it you'd like to say maybe when this you know, when everybody forgets our name, what impact would you like to to think that you've made through this? And then, of course, on that, why don't you explain how people can get a hold of you or get a hold of the organization if they want to get involved? Because I think there's be a lot of people that are listening to this that certainly want to learn more. Absolutely. Well, listen, we are this. This is the it's the 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 ultimate opportunity in the world for the history of the world is still to be born in the United States, like. You know, we cannot lose. Don't don't lose. Uh, uh, you know, track of that. It's part of the reason why I think serving is so important. Whether that's in uniform or as a teacher, you know, serve your country in some fashion. Get out of your comfort zone. See the way other people in the world 
live, what they have, what they don't have. You know, this country for all of our flaws is just, um, it's just the, the blessing that we have uh, to be here. So we need to, we need to work for, it. you know, it doesn't just happen. And that's why at With Honor, we're so focused on this really tough mission, maybe one of the toughest missions that we face, which is to help roll back our polarization and dysfunction in Congress by uh, helping to elect and support principled veterans that serve in the, the bipartisan four country caucus, help that caucus get stuff done that really matters in areas like service and artificial intelligence and cybersecurity. I mean, we, can, we have to be able to talk across our partisan tribal lines. We have to be able to get stuff done across these lines um, to, to keep our country uh, in the, um, in the position that it is and really defend our democracy. So, uh, so that's why we're doing what we're doing. It's great to work on a mission that matters, uh, which is, which I got my first dose on with, when I had the privilege of serving in the Marine Corps and would love to connect with other country first, uh, subscribers. We love country first. We love principles before politics. You can find us at withhonor.org and, uh, Congressman Kinzinger, thank you for having me on. Thank you for being a part of this. And I look forward to seeing you, I think, in a couple of weeks at, um, at, at the event that you're pulling together here. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to it. And thanks for all the good work you're doing. And, and uh, for anybody that doesn't know Rai, he's a master uh, uh, communicator, but a master networker. I'm always <laughs> impressed. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. And we hope you have a wonderful week and keep putting country first. This has been a country first conversation with Adam Kinzinger and co-founder and CEO of With Honor, Rai Barkat. There are many tens of thousands of Afghans who have risked their lives to help and protect Americans during the war. And these brave men and women and their families are now in grave danger. If you want to help, please visit our website, countryfirst.com. Country First has established a dedicated fund for the benefit of these allies, and 100% will go towards helping Afghans rebuild their lives. We're partnering with the Veterans Group With Honor and No One Left Behind, which are both doing critical work in this area. Please be sure to share this podcast and subscribe to receive all the latest updates.